nice article in the Managing Madrid uh, blog. They're wonderful lads that do a great job there. And worth reading about that man there. Karim Benzema needs to rest and the numbers reveal why. Times ended up almost looking like a 6-3-1. Some very good writing about that on the Managing Madrid website. Frustrate podcast as well. Of course, Pere Valverde was a huge part of the equation. Hello and welcome to a Saturday edition of the Managing Madrid Podcast. I'm your host, Keon Sobani, and we are recording this just after Real Madrid beat Osasuna 2-0 in Pamplona in what was a very difficult game, but a game that nevertheless Real Madrid came on top in, and uh, we're kind of going in this pretty raw. We don't have much to analyze after the game in, in terms of looking at stuff or waiting for Carlo Ancelotti to speak to see what he said, because it's pretty much right after the final whistle. So we'll deal with things as they come. And and try our best here. Joining me are my two wingmen, Matt Wiltsey and Jose Perez. Gentlemen, how you doing? Hey, Kian, doing well. This is uh this was a battle. This game was a battle, but hey, we got out of it. We managed the three points. Um, some plenty to talk about. I feel like as there always is when we come back to La Liga, especially in terms of what's going on with Vinicius. But um, I think all in all, really good. Good result, important result. Yeah, um, same. The, the things are going well here. Just generally enjoy enjoying go, going around Madrid, watching teams, watching Leganes too today, which was fun. And then, uh, uh, and then, yeah, for this game, it's. Uh, I was afraid uh, we were not going to make it because it's just it just had all the makings of like one of those games that was going to go wrong. Uh, I also, again, because it's also like a, such a, like a short, uh, like, because the reaction is so immediate, I still haven't done like much analysis on how Osasuna was pressing, but it was definitely the most problematic aspect of the game. And then between that and, and Real Madrid playing like a bit deeper, just Osasuna got a lot more control than, uh, maybe what one would expect, but, all in all, I think there's going to be. I agree with Matt that there's going to be more than a few things to to discuss that are that are quite interesting, like the striker situation that we just saw happen. Uh yeah. I mean, for all of us who love Castilla and are big believers in what's happening there, um, at the Castilla level, their push to get to Segunda, we were all. I think as much as the game was difficult and annoying, I don't think we played well. It was really nice to see. Alvaro possibly, possibly, we can't get our hopes about possibly um, leapfrogging Mariano today in the pecking order, which I think would be pretty cool. Um, but as we know, we we might just see Alvaro on the bench for the next eight years now um, because because he's because he had one assist and really two assists. But we'll we'll, we'll get to that in a second. Matt from the top, Chuameni was a late-ish scratch. He picked up the bug too, so no Chuameni, no Cruz. And Modric gets a start. What were your thoughts on the starting lineup? And maybe a better question, because I think the starting lineup kind of picks itself when you have these players available. Maybe a better question is, are you surprised as to the way the scheme unfolded with this group of players on the field? Yeah, I mean, no real surprises with the lineup. I think maybe the only one surprise was Nacho at right back instead of Carvajal. Um, aside from that, I think it was pretty straightforward. So 
to answer your question on scheme, yes, I think that's probably what surprised me the most in this match. And to to Jose's point, uh, Osasuna pressed us, and we've seen this kind of be the mo from a lot of teams this year. Is they press us right off goal kicks, right off when we're trying to build out from the back, and we struggle. In particular, guys like Rudiger have struggled. Um, Nacho, I think, actually does well under pressure, but there are times when I think he can be a little bit too conservative on the ball. Um, but the thing that probably bothered me the most was our defensive setup. And I felt like we sat back a little too much, gave Osasuna a little bit too much respect. We didn't really engage even once. Usually we engage once the team kind of hits the center circle. Um, and we didn't even engage them. We gave Moy Gomez. Moy Gomez shifted to the pivot position, that certain defensive mid, and he just time and time again, picked up the ball, played the next pass, picked up the ball, found little holes, played the next pass. And I thought he was the best player on the pitch today, honestly, at least for the first 70 minutes or so. I thought Moy Gomez was the best player on the pitch. I thought we gave him way too much time and space. Um, and I tweeted out at halftime, like, if you cut him off, then you cut off Osasuna's best ball facil- facilitator. Like, you cut off their engine. And I think we would have had a lot more success. Um defensively and winning the ball in midfield if we would have just cut off cut off Moy Gomez. Jose. That's a pretty yes. I was just gonna ask uh, you because oh. one of the things that I was disappointed with was I felt that we went back to some outdated tactics or quote unquote like just older tactics that were a little bit too predictable for opponents earlier this season. And it was one of the games, like if you compare it to the last few games where Real Madrid, you know, for example, have scored 13 goals in the past three games, but also in general have had more attacking impetus. And part of that is down to Ceballos and Kamavinga in the lineup more now. The pressing has been better, more control on the ball. This was very much so, um, and and maybe before I get into that, just to, to look at the opponent is interesting. Osasuna are pretty much mid-table and average and everything. They're not bad. They're not great. They're just like a, a like tenth place, and exactly where where they should be. They're middle of the pack in xG, middle of the pack in xGA, middle of the pack in passes per defensive action. They're not this super aggressive, high pressing team. They can do it, but they're kind of like in this mid block. I just don't know if that warranted us playing as conservative as we did. I thought we made them too comfortable in the first half, and just looking at it. Um, our line was so deep and our game plan was basically hit long balls over the top to Vinicius and expecting him to do something. And I think that, you know, Vinicius is capable of doing stuff, but I think one of the byproducts of that was that Rodrigo was completely out of this game. He had 10 touches at halftime. Fedev already didn't get involved much. Uh, Matt, you alluded to Nacho's um, conservatism. He did not cross the halfway line at all in this game. And so a combination of all those things, I think, made it difficult in the first half. And so I guess I don't know if it's a question or just a statement and and to throw it off to you. But I was disappointed with Real Madrid's tactics in the first half. I don't know how you saw it. I I agree in the sense that it's not uh, it's a bit like, like you mentioned, it's a bit like the game plan that has been used last year, that was used last year. And in a way, it almost makes me like fear, like, are we going to do the same in Champions League again of like doing the same kind of plan of like sitting back, throw the long balls? But in all fairness, like I think with Liverpool, for example, it kind of makes more sense with Osasuna, maybe not so much like 
maybe not so much. And I think you made a really good point about Rodrigo and sitting deeper. I think the whole idea of Rodrigo as a striker works out when the team is more possession dominant and therefore Rodrigo has more opportunities to pass the ball around with other players. So that's the context where like Rodrigo as a striker would work best. But if you have him isolated like this, this is something that what what you need a traditional nine for. And it's why and it's exactly why Alvaro was looking so good in those final minutes, because he was doing exactly what you would expect of a more traditional nine profile, like just bringing down those long balls that uh, that uh, that the team was throwing at him. It made so that made a lot more sense for Alvaro. It did not make much sense for Rodrigo. And like you mentioned, like just like 10 touches. Uh, in the first half, he was very isolated, and Rodrigo is not. He he's not like he can be good one of one versus one, but the whole point of Rodrigo is usually that he can associate himself with other players and pass it around. And if you give it that context where he's constantly isolated and having to win like headers, then yeah, it's. I agree that it's not going to work out. Not going to work out. So why was it chosen like this? Like it's hard to know. Like it's hard to know whether. Was this a response to Osasuna's pressure? Was it, uh, or is Ancelotti already thinking about potential game plans for Champions League? I am not entirely sure, but I do agree that it's not, uh, I don't think Real Madrid should get too comfortable with a strategy like that because there are several players, Rodrigo is a good example, Rudiger is a good example, like that, who well, uh, who don't, who will struggle a bit more in this context. So it's it it definitely doesn't make the doesn't necessarily make the most out of the players on the pitch. I, there was a lot of people who were worried that this was a premonition. This was like a test run for the Liverpool game, and I don't know if that's true or not. I I won't I won't be surprised if it we end up playing this way against Liverpool, but I don't know if that's it was true that that's what we were doing. Um. On some level, I would not be surprised at all if the game plan was try to get Vinicius to run in behind Trent Alexander-Arnold um, and hope that he just plays better than normal because he's playing outside of Spain and some of that stuff will... Um, I mean, Liverpool pa- fans don't have anything against <laughs> Vinicius, I don't think. So you just assume that the atmosphere will be different and that'll be the game plan and take advantage of Trent's positioning Liverpool. I don't know. Maybe we're getting ahead of ourselves. So in particular in this game... Um, Matt, do you, I feel like Vinicius is a talking point. How did you see his performance? Yeah, I think, um, I mean, kind of to make that final connection between this game and the Liverpool game, I think it is interesting. Like, this is kind of a hostile envi- envi- atmosphere and environment. And, like, this is one of those stadiums that I think players actually look forward to playing in, regardless of, like, how how vile the fans can be sometimes. Like, I think it, it, it's one they get up for. And so I think in that sense, it could you can make the comparisons to Anfield. And then two, to Jose's point earlier, um, Osasuna do press. And, like, Liverpool's going to press us. Um, and so that from that standpoint, it's almost like this is a good little pretest to that to the type of environment and the type of on-ball pressure you will feel. Maybe not to the same degree, but... Um, the type of on-ball pressure you'll feel at Anfield. So um, one thing that I think we did really well and which was we'll see for Vinicius, not only in this game, but in, in at Anfield, hopefully against Liverpool, is that Edermilly Tal long diagonal ball to Vinicius over the top. 
um he's, he's been really good at those mastering that like yeah he's mastering that i think it's it's becoming like sergio Ram- that kind of used to be sergio ramos's pass and now it's the opposite um center back now that's playing it to the left flank um and when those types of balls like those beating vinicius isolated 1v1 um he takes those down pretty well like i think that's that's gonna be part of the game plan against liverpool and tonight it, it worked really well i think vinicius was i i really liked his performance i think final pass and the final ball just wasn't there it's too many times like how many times did he get into the box today and you're pulling your hair out saying ah oh, he should have scored that or or just laid it off um and i felt like that happened one too many times there were moments where again and it's you can't really fault him at, at this point in today's match where blatant fouls and he's getting you can see how frustrated and angry Vinicius is getting and the referee just doesn't call it like the one at the end with David Garcia where he just hacks him down and Vinicius tries to stay up and the ref doesn't call it Nacho Nacho Ceballos Ancelotti were all furious Nacho ended up getting a yellow card like I'm happy to finally see them standing up for him and and calling the referee out but it it's crazy it's crazy to me that he is the most fouled player in Europe yet he there's probably another five to six fouls that don't get called him every yeah. single game. Yeah. Like he, this is not, this is not just a one-off today against Osasuna where the ref was bad. No, this is literally every single match day. There are probably five, six, maybe even more fouls that aren't called against him or he's just frustrated. He's sick of it. And it's, it's understandable. Like it's the guy attempted 12 dribbles today was successful in seven of them. Um, and the ones where he wasn't successful is because partly because he was getting sh- fouled and shoved off the ball yeah um it's it's one of those things where i feel like a lot of people just don't even know why they hate him at this point like it starts with the minute of silence in the you know one fan at the end of a minute silent chance vinicius and then by the end of the first half the whole stadium is chanting it and I don't think anyone actually knows why. And it it's funny to track where the last like bit of hostility started at the end of the first half because Vinicius fouls, I think it was Moy Gomez. It was just a foul. It's a normal foul. They just use that as an excuse to start fighting with him. Oh, let's see who was that. Like if any other player commits that foul in La Liga, they just we quickly move on. It's a foul. Fouls happen. But they use that as an excuse to just start fighting. And then they start fighting. The crowd gets into it. They start they start chanting against Vinicius. And then obviously Real Madrid players come to the defense. It just gets getting ugly. And I just don't know. If, uh, people just really at this point have no idea why they hate the guy. They just know that they have to hate him because that's what that's what you do at this point. Um, and I, I think all made this point on Twitter really well that you can you you have to factor this in when you talk about Vinicius' performance. He gets abused every single game. And then we have to just accept it, accept that he has to be perfect with all of his touches, all of his finishing, all of his decision making. Um, there's a lot of things that are surrounding him right now, mentally and physically. I think it's tough. I will also say his performance now, like there's there's two chances that stick out in particular. The first one where he just destroys Moncayola, and um, probably he should have shot it right there. Then when he when he got past somebody, didn't he tries to round the keeper? There was another instance in the second half where. He has a shot available to him, and he decides to try to round the keeper again, and he fails. Both instances, he should have shot it um, much quicker. 
uh, eventually does end up with a nice assist and uh, disallowed goal. Jose, what's your assessment of this Vinicius performance and everything surrounding him? I mean, today was quite good. Like I was just going through the numbers and it's this really feels like your typical impact, like impactful Vinicius performance. Like, yeah, some uh, maybe some decisions with that final, some bad decisions with that final ball. But all in all, he was doing everything he was supposed to do. His dribbling game, his dribbling game was doing well, as Matt mentioned, Uh bunch of three chances created he's getting into shoot like into good shooting positions he had the chances so all in all uh there's really not more that than one can ask for uh for about that one can ask Vinicius today other than like just that those those last final ball decisions but he's doing everything he should be doing there and yeah I really wouldn't change in regards to the whole situation I yeah, pretty much would stand by the statement that Ohm made. Like it's just kind of not it's not reasonable to expect that, like because a lot of people go like have just have the opinion of like he has to play his way through it. And it's like and it it is not reasonable. Is it it is not reasonable to expect a person to have to deal with to just deal with all of that and and with all of this hate that like you mentioned, Kian, like it doesn't people don't even know why they do it or why they say or why they single him out in particular well we know the reasons why they single him out like one is a racial aspect one if is one of the opposition's best players so you want to destabilize him but just but like the degree to which this happens is absolutely ridiculous and i yeah, like it's just not reasonable to expect a player to just deal with it. There, there has to be again, eh, eh, and especially like when we get the, uh, for example, the when it really gets to like the racist abuse stuff. Like I have a very hard stance with that. Like as like as long as there are no bigger punishments of like, uh, you have to like it, it. It can't even be. I wouldn't say it can't even be economic like sanctions. As as, as long as you don't get like points deductions and those kinds of things as punishments, I don't think it. Like I don't think clubs and their fans are going to be deterred from doing these things. I I don't see it getting better anytime soon. That's that's the scary part. And this is like the beginning of Vinicius's career. I wonder what this looks like next year, two years, five years, ten years. I I, I have no idea. Um. Yeah, it's, it's pretty tough to see. Matt, did you see something different in Riyam's performance in the second half that was tangible to you that they started to do better? Was it just a matter of them starting to create chances and pressing better or getting the line higher up the field? What did you see? Um, Honestly, I, I, I didn't think it was until Ancelotti started to make the substitutions. I don't think we played much different versus the first half. Um, I think the ball circulation was a little slow. I think we were kind of looking for that perfect opening and it never came. There was moments of individual brilliance from Vinicius and Rodrigo himself had a couple shots. I really like when Rodrigo has those moments where he just lets the ball come across him without taking a single touch and then uh, kind of glides into it and ends up taking a shot. I thought he had two good opportunities that he kind of created himself. Other than that, we didn't really have much going for us. And so I think until Ancelotti started tinkering with things, making the substitutions, 
Uh, and Vin- Vinicius just kind of unrelenting. And that's what we like from him when he gets going in these games. Like he, even though he's getting fouled, he's getting denied. Like we talked about, he just keeps going. He keeps trying. And finally it ends up working for him. I think that Fede Valverde goal, I don't know if it's been talked about much, but that was a difficult finish because the ball was bouncing as it arrived to him. Um, he was running onto it. He made a good connection, but it was not an easy, like one touch finish. Um, and then obviously we Alvaro comes in. We talked about that, like breaks down the defense twice. Very unselfish, both assists. I loved his attitude. Even after the goal was disallowed, he just wins the ball back, uses that big physique and then, uh, then dishes it off to Asensio, almost Vinicius again, but Asensio took it and, uh, it was, it was really nice goal. Yeah. Jose, did you see anything differently in that second half? That was um, from a tactical perspective or again, it was just kind of just some of the stuff that Matt saw. I I am on Matt's side on this one in the sense that I didn't see, I didn't see like significant tactical changes uh, in there. Like I, I do think that at points like Rodrigo was, a bit, was getting a bit more involved, which was good. But to me, there wasn't, I also agree that there wasn't much change then the subs came in and something started moving differently. But really, like this, the goals came in from trying to do the same things and trying to get that ball to Vinicius and Vinicius still trying to get something out of it. And eventually, like, he kept trying until it worked. I think uh, that there really wasn't that much of a change uh, in the ga- in the game plan. Things... Uh, I mean, the the most noticeable change, of course, was once Alvaro goes in, because then you look how this plan works with an actual big, uh, big target, man. And yeah, and I would say that the second half, especially like especially before that, like 70 before, like the 75th minute or so, like that. It uh, there were times where it just looked like Osasuna was piling up pressure more and more, and I think, uh, and, and I think that could be a difference in the second half, in the sense that maybe in some ways Osasuna started getting even more aggressive, more desperate, and it was, and it started to get, you start to get even more opportunities for for Vinicius to go in behind and try to and, and try to do something, and yeah, for that like for that first goal, just like that uh, that feather run, it's just like the late run love that because it's just the finish like matt mentioned the finish is difficult but the timing of the run i love it because it's really like like it's a really late run it's like as late as he could have done it and that makes it like really difficult for like the midfielders who are trying to cover the penalty spot it makes it a bit more difficult to track it and they probably like were at that point or where they were not expecting it so i just love the timing of that late run yeah it's and it's funny because i don't like I didn't really note many, many changes in the second half like you guys did. Like there were just little things. Like I think Alaba got a little bit more involved in and ha- helping the attack on the left side. Um, Ceballos got on the ball a little bit more. Rodrigo did right away in the second half have a couple shots where he was basically non-existent in the second in the first half. Um, you guys mentioned the subs. Asensio comes in for Ceballos. It's interesting because I don't think this was one of Ceballos's better games. I thought his passing could have been better. I thought he wasn't as great on the ball as he usually is. Now, having said that, and obviously the Madrid scoring when he comes off, there's something about him that even his baseline is not that bad. Like, it's very, very worst game. He still contributes a lot. He had the most touches of anyone on the field. He's never shy, even when he's playing poor. 
He never abandons the team with outlets. I thought he's he's good in that sense. Um, but I do think what ultimately happened in the second half, we put a little bit more pressure on them too. We didn't give them as much comfort on the ball coming out of the back. We pressed a little bit higher. I think all of our chances kind of speak to that as well, even the ones we didn't score. Um, they were mostly stemmed from giveaways. It's funny. I'm looking at the XG now. One of the things that we always have to remember to factor in with XG is that it only counts shots. So, for example, Vinicius trying to round the keeper doesn't even show up on the XG um, because he didn't get a shot off. But those are those are the one in the second, the one in the seventy third minute did, but the first one didn't when he doesn't get a shot off. Um, so there were there were a few more chances there. I think this is more than a fair uh, scoreline. Uh, okay, so we kind of went. What was the XG? What was the XG? I haven't seen it yet. Uh, 1.86. Which, yeah, again, if, if what was those as soon as 0.4. Oh, okay, there wasn't memorable I mean, chances from the Osasuna yeah. side. Yeah, only thing long I can distance remember is like shots, Budimir, the Budimir back heel in the box. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah, Moy Gomez hit the post. Um, yeah. Mon- I mean, Moy Gomez Moncoyo. hit the post from like way out, didn't he? Yeah. Yeah, most of their shots were from outside the box. I feel yeah, like. 0. 0.02, the one that hit the post, it was it was decently covered by by Fede. I think it was closing him down. They had yeah. one, two, three, four, five, six shots outside the box. The Budimir chance was decent, but again, he was pretty tightly marked, and it's going to be hard to score the way he tried it. The one that sticks out to me in the first half that they didn't score on, I think they they maybe regret not capitalizing on. But again, it was difficult. It was Ramdo were scrambling defensively. And they left two players completely wide open at the far post. And I think that one was down to Ceballos not tracking properly. Oh, yeah, um, that was horrible. That one was, yeah. I, I remember that one because it's like, Jesus Christ, that was such a horrible way to defend that cross. Yeah. Um, that That is one thing that I don't know if we mentioned in the first half was that I think Ceballos is uh, kind of the way that midfield formed defensively. Kamavinga and Ceballos weren't covering proper ground together and and being in the right places. And and that chance was an example of that where Kamavinga was all the way on the right side. And so the DM is out of out of position and then the left center midfielder is nowhere to be seen. And and that was Ceballos. Um, what did you uh what did you make of Kamavinga's performance? I thought he was good overall. Um yeah. I liked the fact that he was active as an outlet. His distribution was pretty good. He had a couple of really good defensive interventions. I also thought that they really tried to take him out of the game. Um, the guy who got the yellow card in him in the first half, who was it? It was Toro. Lucas Toro, I think yeah. That's arguably a red card. Arguably a red card, but also he was just all over him all game, just following him and trying to annoy the hell out of him all game. Um, I think Kamavinga did well. I mean, he's been thrown around. It's funny because remember when we first signed Kamavinga? Our main complaint was that every single game he was playing a different position. This is him now again. It's like DM, left back, CM. He's all over the place now. He was he was somehow the most fouled player in this game uh, over mm-hmm. Vinicius. He had five fouls. Vinicius only had three. So you can put that into whatever context you want. Yeah. But yeah, I think I think he I think he did well. He had, he completed all four of his long balls. Like I I I remember thinking to myself, his distribution has been good, has been clean. Um, I don't know. I kind of, I'm kind of thinking he might start against Liverpool. Ninety-five percent passing accuracy. 
I don't. I, I don't it know. Cruz Modric Kamavinga. I think it might be. What do you think, Jose? Against Liverpool, I'd be somewhat scared about it, just from the defensive, just from the defensive aspect. Like I think that's that's really. Like stuff like, for example, like that uh, that Osasuna cross that like was not defended properly. Like that's, for example, one of the bigger differences of having like Trameni in there compared to say Ceballos and Camavinga. And it's like for that one. Uh, so with Trameni, that is going to improve. Then if you have say like Camavinga, could be an interesting. That could be an interesting one. Although I am right now kind of on the side that like our closest. Like say, if Kroos is not gonna play, like the closest to that uh, to that profile is still Dani Ceballos, in my opinion. So, so that's uh, so I I would be up for starting Ceballos against Liverpool. That's kind of how yeah. Kroos isn't ready. I would rather Ceballos than Kamavinga in, in that position. Yeah, I'm kind of conflicted on this one. I mean, you Matt, you and I especially have talked about the fact that Cruz and Modric together in these big games can be problematic for a variety of reasons, and it has been the last couple of years. I don't, I mean, it, it would be kind of surprising to me if Cruz didn't start that game. I mean, how long can a flu keep you up for? He's only missed two games now. Um, it's not a serious thing. I mean, so I just imagine he'll be he'll be back by Tuesday. Chuomeni is more of a could be cutting it close because he just picked up the bug today, I think. So I don't I don't know how long Chuomeni is out. I don't really like I don't really want to go into Anfield without Chuomeni either. I think he provides a lot of steel and two-way balance for us in a game like that. I'd love to have him on the field. Uh other than that, yeah, I, I kind of agree that the Ceballos profile is more of a cruise replacement. Um it's a tough one. I don't know. I mean, I was talking to Lucas about this too on on the mailbag, and he's like doesn't matter. There's no point in discussing this. Cruz and Modric will start in Anfield. He doesn't believe that it can be at all breakable in big games in Ancelotti's mind. So I, I don't know if that's true or not because we I think we've seen Cruz and Modric play less lately. So I don't know how true it is, but it'll be interesting. Yeah, I don't know. I, I just know that Kamavinga at some point will play and, and he'll be on the field, I think, at the very latest sometime in the second half. So it'll be interesting to see what Ancelotti does there. Militao, 8 of 12 long balls. Again, I think this goes... I'd be curious to like just track his long ball percentage over the past few years. I feel like it's just gotten better and better. It's been more reliable. The one he hits is a little bit more easier, wouldn't you say, than the one that Ramos hits? Because Ramos has to cut across to the other side. Yeah. I just feel like he gets so much... He just he just gets so much power behind it. Yeah. Even, it's Wait it's so nicely. easy for him. Yeah, it's so easy for him to just... Hit the hit that ball the length of the field. Like I feel like Ramos needed more of a run up to to actually do it. Like Militao can just do it by only a slight backlift. Like he's he's that strong. Yeah. Um, I'm just going over Carlos' quotes now. There isn't much anything really, nothing that really sticks out. To be honest, the only thing he did say that was kind of interesting was that Carvajal is going to start at Anfield. Oh, he did. Yeah. I think the the one thing I saw quickly, I haven't read like all of them, but it's he said, I think he said, I'm convinced that Alvaro will will help us more this season. He did say that, yeah. Um, I to to Jose's point, like what I really liked about Alvaro is the ease at which he can bring down long balls, and like he looked really comfortable 
being that target man, being like a Giroud almost. Um, and so I think, yeah, if he can be that type of profile, it's 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 a nice to Ancelotti's point in the pre-match presser. It's like we don't have that profile, um, and so I think it's a it's a nice option to have. It's kind of cool that the very very limited minutes our Casilla players have gotten, like Ariba scores within like three touches of coming on Club World Cup, Alvaro Alvaro. The, I mean, I'm going to count that as an assist in my mind, the one that got canceled, because it's not his fault at all that it got canceled. We just got unlucky that Fede got a touch on the ball before it got to him, right? It's not his fault. So, I mean, I'm just going to give that assist to him. They've, they've, they've worked really hard in those limited minutes. You know, my biggest fear, maybe it's an irrational fear, is like these kids come on and like it's like the tiniest sample size. They don't do well, and then they just get cast aside forever. But these guys have at least given Ancelotti a reason to keep giving them minutes. Do you, maybe a rhetorical question, but do you feel like he should just get be getting all of Mariano's minutes at this point? Because I do. Head, head nods absolutely. from Matt and Jose for yeah, those absolutely. not watching the video. And Arribas should be getting all of Hazard's minutes if there are even any Hazard minutes. And... Yeah. Like, yeah, there's just absolutely no point. Like, these guys, honestly, like, next year I would like to see Arribas, Alvaro, Vinicius, Tobias, like, kind of what Ancelotti did the first time he came in at uh, Real Madrid. Remember, he brought up Morata, Hesse, uh, Nacho was already with the team, but kind of a little bit bigger of a role, Casemiro, uh, Carvajal, like, all those guys. It was like this nice group that came up together. And I feel like, you know what, this that was a Castilla golden generation. This is considered a Castilla golden generation. Like, let's give it a go. We've got we've got the players there. Like, it, I think it's time to give them a go. And I'd like to see not just one kind of get promoted next year. Like, let's actually give them real roles and promote at least maybe three or four of them. He seems yeah, to I, like Mario Martin as well. So, I yeah. Yeah, I think it's the least you can do if you're not going to dip your toes into the transfer market is to, to at least use these guys. Um, yeah, I have no interest. Like the the developmental minutes for Alvaro and Aribas are much more precious than throwing a bone for Mariano and Hazard at this point. And also, uh, I lost my train of thought. Yeah, I mean, I I just really like what I saw from Alvaro. And oh, yeah, this is what I was going to say. He's kind of an esta- a sneakily established player because he's he went into the South American Youth Championship and was amazing, like really really good for Uruguay just just this past month, and I think he's actually got some experience under his belt now. And now this A team, you know, little cameo, I think he's he's decently getting himself established. I think you can actually start throwing him more games to see what he does. But again, I think it's uh, Ancelotti, I think, mentioned somewhere in the press conference again, because I didn't watch it. So I don't know the context or exactly where the quotes were connected. But I saw somewhere where he said that he has to consult with Raul uh, about something. And I don't know what he meant by that. But maybe he meant that like, and because Arribas was not in the squad today, for example. And so I don't I don't know if like they're just trying to juggle that and making sure Castilla gets promoted and trying to figure out how that how that works. I don't know. But uh, it's great though. I I still think the A team takes precedence, but you know, uh, they're trying to ma- they're trying to make it work for both sides. 
What do we miss? Um, there's only one other thing that I liked from Carlos' pre- press conference, post-match press conference, that when he's talking about Vinicius, he said, when other players get tired, his physical condition means that he can make the most of this as he almost ups his intensity in the second half. Mm. And, I mean, we've seen that all year. Like, it, it does feel that way where Vinicius, like I said, he was unrelenting. And it, it in the second half, when fullbacks get tired, when defenses get tired, he just keeps going, he keeps going, he keeps going, keeps running at them. And I think um, that's a huge credit to his game. You see how much he works off the field, like he constantly posts stuff on social media that he's working with his physical trainer and, like, he's ripped beyond belief. Um, and he's just, like... He is one of those guys that really takes care of himself. And I think you're seeing it pay dividends. So, um, yeah, it's huge. Like to have a player like that who's already so explosive to begin with to maintain it throughout a full 90 minutes. I mean, it's such a, it's a cheat code. Yeah. Um, he, I think, I think he did really well. Um, the context of that Raul quote, you and McTeer put on managing Madrid. Um, the quote is the quote is I'll evaluate with Raul if Alvaro Rodrigo should spend more time with the first team. So this this is kind of revealing just in the fact that um so he he's basically saying that it's not that these players maybe are not deserving, but we're also just trying to make sure we don't deplete Castilla at, while while they try to get to Segunda. I'm just running through my notes. Jose, what do you got? Anything anything else that we didn't touch on? Oh, just again, just very happy in general with the Alvaro performance and just how he generally like he looks like Ibrahimovic compared to Mariano in the sense that there are just so many little details of like Mar- like you can't use Mariano like surprise for a guy that's as physical as Mariano, you can't use him in such a physical role. Uh at, like well, not a physical as such a target man role as Alvaro was doing. So I was sur- pleasantly surprised that now the team has more of a proper target man profile with him there is okay so this is going to sound really disrespectful towards mariano but mariano's energy and physicality is to me a little bit that of akin to like a headless chicken i feel like alvaro alvaro's um alvaro looks a little bit more composed in this regard so far again pretty limited sample size but i'm just also going based on watching castilla and also I did not get a chance to watch those Euro, uh, U20 South American Championships live, but just looking at some of his goals, there seems to be a little bit of composure to him and and a know-how of of how to just link up with teammates as well. It doesn't seem like he's like a traditional like physical nine, but he's also he's also pretty good on the ball too and can play outside the box. I think that's interesting, an interesting profile to have for sure. All right, well. I think we're going to wrap it up here. This podcast was a little bit faster paced than normal because we didn't have that much time to squeeze this in. Keep it locked on managingmajor.com. Just so you guys know some housekeeping tomorrow, we are doing a Liverpool preview with the Anfield wrap, which was actually already recorded. We're just going to throw it up tomorrow. But if you want it, you got to be a patron over on patreon.com slash managingmadrid because not only will you get that preview, but you'll also get the live Zoom post-game podcast on Tuesday night. I'll be at Anfield for the first time in my life. I'm super excited to hop on uh, a train from London to Liverpool and have zero sleep for the next 48 hours because it means that I get to experience Anfield for the first time. And uh, I'll go to the press conferences, then 
go to my Airbnb, log on to Zoom and see you guys there. So if you want access to that link, patreon.com slash managing Madrid. We'll see you there. Jose, thank you. Enjoy the rest of your time in Madrid, my friend. Matt, thank you. Enjoy whatever you're doing in Dallas tonight. <laughs> and uh, we'll catch you guys later. Take care. All right. Thanks, thanks again. See ya. Thanks for listening, everyone. And before we send you along on your way and wrap it up here, we wanted to give a quick shout out to our patrons over on patreon.com slash managing Madrid. The ever-growing Real Madrid family that is being built there is incredible. And we're really thankful to be on this journey with you guys. So shout out to all of our patrons who get a ton of bonus content. If you want to get in on the action, go to patreon.com slash managing Madrid. And a specific shout out to these $10 plus patrons, because if you pledge $10 or more, not only do you get guaranteed responses to your questions, but you also get a specific shout out on the podcast. So shout out to these $10 patrons as follows. Brandon Alvarez, Willie Reed, Will, Will Sousa, Way Pairing, Tobias Royal Botcher, Talib Salhab, Tahmid Kalam, Sujai Wani, Sumanchu Singh. Shay Hatiri, Shamil, Shabazz Sharapov, Sergio Arispe, Santos Solorsano, Samuli Justin, Samer Z, Said Mahan, Sai Mohan, Sasi Kumar, Rodrigo Balmaceda, Rishi D, Phoenix, Peter Powell, Paulo Fierro, Patrick Odaya Fadi, As- uh, Nico Laxo, Oscar Barrera, Mowgli, MJ Diego, Marin Myrtle, Michael Zinberg, Nicholas Moeller, Matthew Atkins, Martin Ridman, Magnus Lext, Logan Stahl, Leon Stavronakis, Kunal Tilakar, Crystal Glass, Kevin Rivera, Jose Cruz, John Fernandez, Jason Fitz, Ian Marley, Graham Gerard, Gary Cohut, Frederick Rantakiro, Frederick Sundros, Faisal Hamdan, S.A., Davisito, Eloy Enriquez, Edward Sossman, Daniel Williams, Con P., Christian Toft, Christian Acosta, Charles Williams, Brendan Powers, Brandon Stevens, Ashik Pashar, Arnab Mukherjee, Armand Gashi, Armand, Armando L, Anirudh Singh, Ananya Kumar, Azaz Hussein, Adrian Rios, Adar Zalukovic, Adam Dorsey, Bella Chow, Varun, Ramtin Magrur, Fabian Moreno, and Daniel Smith. You guys are legends. Thank you so much. Love you all. And Hala Marib.